Goliaths and ginormous ants. Welcome to Marvel vs. Marvel. It's a podcast where a comedian who has never read a Marvel comic book before ever in their life watches a Marvel movie or a TV show and then quizzes a second comedian. This one is a Marvel expert. This one was even taught to read using Marvel comics to bring you the yin and the yang of the Marvel experience, the two sides of the journey. Hello! Welcome to the show. My name is Rob Halden. I'm a comedian, I'm a writer, and I'm also the Marvel expert in the chair for this podcast. And I guide the other person on their journey, the other voice, the second voice, the only voice that really matters, because it's his journey, really. He's a very ignorant boy. It's Mr. Will Preston. Oh, I'm the ignorantest boy in all of the classroom. Ignorant town. Oh, okay. I- yeah. ignorant, ignorant studies, 101. Will, it's episode 101. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, we've, we've, we've smashed out 100 episodes of this fine, fine podcast, and here we go into the next batch of 100 episodes. It's absolutely <laughs> mad. I just, we always say this every milestone, oh, we thought we wouldn't last this long. And it's like, we need to stop saying that because it's clear we're lasting long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just need to just be braggadocious about it now. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course we did a hundred. What yeah, else co- are we going to do? Going to pop my collar when I say that. <laughs> Coming up on today's show, the Ant-Man and the Wasp show. Yes. We'll take you behind the scenes on the making of Ant-Man and the Wasp and how the MCU carried on after the darkness of Infinity War. We'll explore the quantum realm from the comic books, how Ant-Man became Giant-Man, the fall and disgrace of Hank Pym, the young Avengers, the coolest Iron Man villain of all time. I bet my house <laughs> on it. And the time that Ant-Man beat Doctor Doom, it is all to come on this big bundle of Marvel history and trivia. Don't go anywhere. Very, very excited for this one. It's always extra special when we get to return to the MCU. Always, always. And we had a lot of fun with episode 100 where we go went back to... 1966. Doctor Bader. <laughs> and in our trivia, we in our in our kind of behind the page bit, we went back even further. That we went back to 1939, oh, God, and we yes. looked at the very, very, very start of this this trembling nascent company that would eventually become Marvel, and would eventually give us things like Infinity War and Ant Man and the Wasp. A massive, massive journey. We also re-released episode one for people to check out, so that you could kind of do this. We're calling it the one to one hundred challenge. <laughs> Can you go back to back on episode one to episode one hundred <laughs> and see just how far we came? Because you know we had to put a little a little proviso up about the start of episode one and say to people, look, we know this sounds terrible (laughs) and it sounds nothing like our current podcast. We don't know what we're doing back then. We were trapped in our houses and being driven mad by the pandemic lockdown in the UK. Oh, yes. And we just, we didn't, we didn't know each other. Really? We only went together a couple of times. We we knew enough to talk about stuff, just about. Yeah, but we we didn't really have an idea of like, uh, how uh, what our interactions are going to be mm. like the ebb the ebb and the flow. To be fair, I'm I'm still not sure about him. Um, <laughs> we, <laughs> but we put that proviso up, and as I'm putting that proviso up, I was thinking this sounds like this podcast has been around for ten years, and I'm like, whoa, <laughs> listen to the old voice. It was only like th- four years ago. Yeah. Um, 
But what a fun, fun, fun time. Oh, absolutely. Um, and look, guys, oh, speaking of fun times, December is going to be absolutely insane on this podcast. Um, we've got some big, cool things we're going to be releasing over December. Um, as me and Will, uh, as we head into the middle of this month, we're going to take a little time off, as we intend to do around December. But do not worry, we have got you covered. Um, on December 18th, which is going to be the next main show episode, uh, we put together something really, really cool. We did this um, Halloween Marvel Monster mashup for Halloween. Everyone loved that. We put together like all the cool bits, looking over the history of Werewolf by Night, Ghost Rider, um, and Man-Thing, and all the monsters of the Marvel Universe. We wanted to do something else for, for, for December, for the festive season as well. And we thought, we've done more X-Men episodes than anything else. Let's take all the very coolest moments of the X-Men, put them all together, and cover like this very awesome history. Um, what we're calling it the X-Men Super Show. It's a two-hour show compiling like a, a, a real deep dive into the history of the X-Men, the history of Wolverine, Deadpool, Cable, the New Mutants. We're diving into some of the biggest stories they've done. It's a, it really is something very cool, very special. When you've got these amazing podcast episodes like we've got in our in our archives, you can do awesome stuff like this. Pull out the big hits, slap them all together. <laughs> a two-hour X-Men Super Show dropping on the 18th of December. That's very, very awesome. Christmas Day, we're not going to leave you hanging. Christmas Day, oh, your boys have got you covered. Do you want to be talking to your family? No, of course not. <laughs> Do you want to be watching religious things on television? Don't be stupid. Your boys are going to release to the world our live show from earlier this year, the 2023 Marvel vs. Marvel live show. Me and Will in Wolverhampton at the Arena Theatre, live on stage, um... That's something we've been. That's been only reserved for our wonderful subscribers on Patreon for most of this year, and we thought, well, what better way to celebrate Christmas than to way? put aside the Lord and listen <laughs> to, to Rob and Will? Um, and that episode dives into the Marvel multiverse, what if, um, alternate dimensions, alternate versions of Spider-Man and Captain America mm. and Iron Man, as we 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 kind of spring off. Um, what if Peggy Carter? was the first Avenger, um, and we used that to kind of map all these incredible Marvel different universes and alternate realities. That's coming your way on Christmas Day. Um, incredible. And we're closing out the... Well, no, we're starting the new year, I guess. Um, yeah, because it'll be January 1st, where we we like to give away, for the festive season, one of our incredible full-length bonus episode deep dives from Patreon. Release it to all of you as a Christmas present or a New Year present or a festive present, whatever you want to call it. We're doing that on January 1st. And we looked back, didn't we, Will, to see what is a an amazing, mind-blowing episode from our Patreon that we can give away <laughs> to the people. And we found one that just... I mean, I don't know if there's anything more salivating that we've ever done than Amalgam Comics. Yes. This bonus episode, this charts a time in the 1990s where we didn't just get... We got Marvel and DC Comics working together to bring us Marvel versus DC. We get to see all the top characters 
from Marvel Comics and DC Comics fighting it out where the readers, the fans picked the winners. We dive into that, a, a mega time in the history of comics. And then even to, to one-up that momentous event, we chart what happens next, which is Marvel and DC merging their universes, merging all their characters to create the Amalgam Universe. Wolverine and Batman merge together to create a new character, Dark Claw. Superman and Captain America merge to create the Super Soldier. Spider-Man and Superboy merge to create Spider-Boy. The Justice League and the Avengers merge. It's We're going to chart it all. It's an incredible time in the history of comic books. It is never to be repeated. Not now that big, huge conglomerates gobbled up these these companies. It's so not to be repeated, they don't even print this comic anymore, that you cannot get hold of any new copies of this, and you haven't been able to for decades. The only way is via Marvel versus Marvel. Will, just a, a little glimpse of, like, what what kind of an episode is that? It, it's something else, right? Oh, God. I mean, at, at times it does feel like this is some kind of weird ad-lib or word game where they're like going, hey, let's mash up two things and see what we can create. It's crazy. But then you see the covers, you hear about the stories, and you go, actually, no, I would like to read that. That does sound good. And and, it, and, and they do all this work to, to, to pretend that the Amalgam universe has been around since the 1930s. So there's all this law that they create there's all this in this world building and in universe history that they they layer through it um that is just a wonderful it's a great fan experience that's coming your way just sam first so we've got the x-men super show we've got the live show and we've got our bonus deep dive on amalgam comics that is coming your way in december your boys are helping you close out the year We shrink down now to find the smallest glimpse <laughs> of knowledge <laughs> in the universe. We have to, we can't, it's not visible to the naked normal person's eye. This level of ignorance means we have to shrink and shrink and shrink into the depths of the dark, dark, <laughs> dark quantum realm. Calm down. Where we eventually find. A fraction of an atom that is the mind of a muggle of Mr. Will Preston. Well. Um, and in this what? darkness, we stumble around and, and say, hey, Will, let's talk about this movie. Um, the yin and the yang of the Marvel experience here on Marvel vs. Marvel. I have all the Marvel knowledge. Will has none of the Marvel knowledge. And you that's won't let me have any either. It's bullying. It's, it's the format of the show. Technically bullying. We, it's how we bring you... Um, the two sides of the Marvel coin. The Will Preston represents the overwhelming majority of Marvel fans who enjoy the video games and the TV shows and the movies. Um, and I uh, represent the losers. <laughs> the old men losers who read comics instead of talking to girls in our youth. So, Will, um, Ant-Man 2 is not only a sequel to Ant-Man, but it's also the... Infinity War caused like an absolute stir. It's a sensation. It mm. was, it was a cliffhanger, and it and it just it, it it caused ripples and waves, and everyone was talking about it. And this is the next thing that Marvel did. So 
there's sort of two sides to this really i i, I want to know your mindset going into this movie um were you so excited from iron man which was we talked about was a wonderful funny hilarious brilliant movie um did you wanted more of that or because uh, I, I think loads of people went to see this on the basis of well what's going to happen next after infinity war um, yeah, it, so where were you mentally before going into this movie in 2018? Well, I didn't actually see this movie in 2018. Oh, I'm so I'm wow. so so ashamed of myself. I only saw it, I think, the next year, maybe you know. Uh, or, That's uh, huge. I know. So, so Infinity War didn't actually make you go, or was it the trailer? Did you? Did you pick up from the trailer? I, this I, isn't going to be anything to do with Infinity War. Yeah, that's, that, that's pro- I, I, I've never really thought about why. I, I was always puzzled why I didn't go to see uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp because I really enjoyed Ant-Man. I thought it was a lot of fun. And I looked at the trailer and I went, oh, look, you know, more of, more of the same. Great. But for some reason, like after Infinity War, I think, yeah, you're, I, I was salivating for a continuation of what's just happened. Obviously, I was going to see Captain Marvel because that's directly linked see, to the end. This yeah. is it. Yeah. This is... I, and I, I think that's such a great point. And I think I was in the same mindset. I did go and see this movie, but I didn't run to see this movie thinking it's going to continue. I, I think I went into this thinking, this almost feels like a little bit of, not exactly an afterthought, but maybe a scheduling blunder. <laughs> um, <laughs> because I think they, the, the, so much of the promotion and talk was about Captain Marvel. Hmm. And that was the... That was like the that was going to be the continuation of Infinity War, not this movie. Yeah. And this, I, maybe, maybe some people felt because I don't know how you'll, you'll you'll tell us later in the 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 Hollywood section, but I don't remember this getting like a huge bump from Infinity War. No, it didn't, did it? It, it felt um, like a almost like a side quest, like a straight to DVD movie. Almost, it felt. Yeah, yeah, it felt like a smaller thing. Which is kind uh, of apt for Ant-Man, I guess. <laughs> Very true. I I think, for me, I I liked Ant-Man. Hmm. But then when the next thing was more Ant-Man, <laughs> I kind of went, ah, I yeah. think I did that. Yeah. I don't know. It, I, didn't, I, I, feel I, like, it didn't feel like something big was going to happen. It just felt like they're on another crazy adventure. And I'm like, this is okay. the problem with mm. Marvel doing massive things. Yeah. And I think we're experiencing it now. Yeah. Like, I think, and, and I don't want to get into a massive thing about this, but yeah. an, a huge amount of the backlash against movies that people say are terrible and rubbish and this, that, and the other, I go and see them and I have a great time and I yeah. really enjoy them. <clears throat> and I think what happens is an awful lot of audiences are like, but the next movie after Endgame has to be bigger than Endgame. <laughs> the next movie after Spider-Man No Way Home has to be bigger than that. Yeah. And to get something like Eternals or Shang-Chi or, or Black Widow or whatever mm. that isn't upping the stakes and full of characters and full of people you know, I think people feel genuinely let down and I think they feel like... We can't go like they feel like it's a step backwards, I, and all this sort of stuff that I don't think is 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 healthy or the intention, yeah, or the fault of the movies. I I think it's almost like a drug addiction where it's like I've just had the biggest hit, now I want to have an even yeah. bigger hit, and if I don't have yeah. a bigger hit, I'm not satisfied. And it's like it, you have to do this thing, you have to sort of gear, you know gear down, change down to gear one or gear two or something. We, you know, res- cleanse your palate. We're starting yes. again with things, yeah. 
look, you just had your big crossover event. You're not going to have something as big as that for a while. Calm down. Calm and, down. And I think Ant-Man and the Wasp kind of suffered from that. And I yeah. was part of that in, in, in uh, 2018. I think mm. I was... I'd come out of Infinity War just salivating for Endgame. Yeah. Um, to a we needed extent. revenge, <laughs> or or something like that, or and, and I and I, I felt I felt sated by Captain Marvel when it eventually came out, but this mm. one I I wasn't. I remember I went to see it because I was on holiday, and thus I had loads of free time. I'm not sure if I would have carved out the time in a regular working month, you know. Mm. Um, and it was, yeah. So did you? When you saw it the year after, like 2019? I think I either saw it later in the year or the year after, but definitely did not see it in the cinema. I think I saw it on Netflix or something when it came right. out eventually. Yeah, yeah. And I was kicking myself because I was having such a great time. I loved it. And I was like, I should have seen this in the cinema. What was I doing? Yeah. I mean, there are certain... It certainly, to me, didn't feel like a priority movie. Mm, Captain absolutely. Marvel was a priority movie in my mind. You get your A movies and your B movies, don't you? Definitely, yeah. definitely. And when you, and this is the problem with the shift going to streaming instead of DVD, and that wait time being cut down. When you know, ah, I can catch it on Disney Plus or Netflix or whatever it's going to be in a, in six months or whatever, rather than in our days when it was you got to wait a huge amount of time before it comes out on on TV. and then you've got to invest like 20 quid to see it right or you've got to rent it for maybe a tenner or something um that's a very different experience to yeah but in six months i'll be able to see it for free essentially right yeah i think part of that maybe i think with the sin it's so hard because I, I don't like actually going to the cinema spoiler alert i i'm not oh a, i am not a cinema fan I, you know, you pay a fair bit of, you know, I've got no financial troubles, but you pay, you know, a fair bit of money to go and you have to be surrounded by the general public. You can't pause the movie when you need a wee wee. I have to pay loads of money for a snack. And I'm just like, I'd rather just buy the biggest telly I can get and watch stuff at home and watch stuff at my right. leisure. I'm very... So it takes a lot for you to go to the movie. It's, it has to be a big thing. I used to do it a fair bit, um back in 2014, 2015, where I got myself a Sydney World membership card and I'd go yeah. see like a film a week. I'd listen to Mark Kermode's show. Sure, listen, yeah. Yeah, and it was like, oh, I'm, I'm, I wasn't planning to see this film but that, or even heard of it, but that sounds good. But I go to the cinema now and, uh, and you know, I sit there, but I'm just like, I have to sit through trailers, uh, which some of them will just get on my nerves. You know, the whole like, hey, don't forget you get yourself a Coca-Cola from the lobby. I've just been there. Why are you advertising it now? But that does line up with the rise, the really big rise of streaming having everything. Yeah. Right? 2015 onwards, streaming has everything now. Yeah. Very they, quickly. I don't know what cinema, the future of cinema is, but they really have got to change something. They've got to stop with these prices, with these endless adverts. They need to really pull their But they can't out. because they're not getting, the, the, the less people go, the more it has to cost and the more money they need from advertising. It's just as simple as that. Stop using um, logic. So I'm a, I'm a big, I'm a, personally, I'm a big cinema dude and I, I have the, I have a pass and, yeah, that's um, fair. For, for, for years, the only cinema in my little town was awful. And thankfully <laughs> now that's gone and we've got a, uh, a, a nice one. It is expensive, but the mm. pass really helps. Mm. Um, but yeah, that is really 
interesting not a priority movie and dare i say will preston once again has hit the nail on the head and probably expresses the views of the majority of people listening to us today we turn now to the trash cans of hollywood where only one person can rake through the muck and the mire of this despicable business, this industry that, frankly, has left more lives in ruins than it has elevated, lifted up and shined. Um, it's, it's Mr. Will Preston who can uh, transform into Mr. Hollywood and can take us um, behind the scenes on the making of Ant-Man and the Wasp. He's got the facts, he's got the figures, he's got the rumours, he's got the quotes, he's got it all. Will what can you tell us about this movie? Uh, well, well, one day, I'd like to see Mr. Hollywood upgrade from going around trash, maybe just breaking into movie studios' offices. You know, something, you know, upgrade him a bit. Respectable. Make him, respectable. Make him seem like he has an arc that he's fulfilling. Anyway, let's not get down in the, the, the character arc of, of uh, Mr. Hollywood. Of just a name that you have. Not, it's not a character, is it? It's just a name. We- he, he, he'll be, you know, a man grows. He's going to get say. a spin-off. He's going to get a spin-off, folks. His own spin-off show. That that would be brilliant. You could have that Saturday a co- morning cartoon compilation show. The best of Mister Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's get on with it. So, Ant Man. Let's go with. Uh, sorry, we got to make sense of the dollars and cents. So, the first Ant Man film released in 2015. Production budget one hundred and thirty million dollars not a lot of money not a lot and you know considering the trouble production it went through you know it's um, not too bad no, that's true all the edgar wright Re- stuff and yeah, yeah, yeah all yeah. the stuff that went back and forth but it did come out with a domestic box office of 180.2 million with an international box office of 33.8 Point, sorry, 33.6 million with a world making a worldwide box office of 518.8 million. That's not That's, to be sniffed at at all. No, I mean for a small for a small 130 movie, um yeah. I mean it it does it's strange when we rack it up against the Avengers and the mm. this, that and the other and the Iron Man threes, but um for the launch of a brand new character yeah, that had no previous exposure. We've talked on often about how your main your main players, your, your Hulk, Spider Man, um, those are the guys that have had cartoons based on them. Iron Man even had a cartoon mm. based on him, and the others have had TV movies, and they've had bigger expanded media and things like that. Ant Man has had nothing. Um, no, even nineteen sixty six. He, despite being a founder member of the Avengers, he doesn't get a place in the. 1966 Marvel superheroes cartoon series. We only really we get saw Prince him. Prince Namor instead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Prince Namor is the king of the d- whatever it is. Um, we did see him in Earth's Mightiest Heroes, but that was very close. That's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think that's, that's the true. first time we really see him in a major thing. But that's it. Yeah, he absolutely nothing. On top of that, we did have uh, est- total estimated uh, Vistic sales of. Uh, of videos of seventy million dollars, but who's who's counting? Who's counting? Yeah, Which, video sales in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, then again, I don't know. It makes more sense in a certain time. Video sales have just dropped massively, haven't they? They have. Uh, I don't know Hugely. how you do sales for streaming services now. It just doesn't. I don't know. It's it's, it's not sales. It's one. It's one. Whatever. Yeah, it's it, one. It, whatever deal a, 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 um, a movie studio has made yeah. with for X, Y, and Z, and you know. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, domestic, but yeah, I'm assuming I'm assuming that includes like online purchase, you know, digital purchases and things like that. 
because your actual physical purchases are going to be much lower than 70 million i think yeah true but anyway that brings us to ant-man and the wasp 2018 production budget exactly the same 130 million you think wow. they put a little bit more considering the success we got michelle pfeiffer in this one yeah, you got Michelle Pfeiffer, Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah, right. Some, some, some others. Larry Fish. Larry, good old Larry. Shelley Fife, and Shel- it's not. It's still one thirty. I'm gonna, I'm gonna sprinkle some Shelley Fife on my Larry Fish for supper. <laughs> Actually, that comes off a bit rude. Never mind. <laughs> anyway, production budget 130 million, but made a domestic box office of 216.6 million. Let's stop. So that's a. From 180 to 216 domestic is mm, big. That's good. And international box office, 406.5 million, bringing a worldwide box office, 623.1 million. Wow. So overall, 100 million more it than makes the previous one film. Fifth, one fifth extra on the same budget. So that's there's- not as impressive as just saying it's over 100 million more. Um, that's really good. That's yeah, incredible. It's, 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 it shows you there's interest and people, you know, despite. Everyone like us going, oh, I didn't really fancy seeing it. There's still enough interest for it to be a big banker. So, I guess yeah. it did. It, do, it It probably did enjoy a bump from Infinity War, didn't it? Yeah, I would say that there would have been invested interest in the next Marvel film. But yeah, jeez. A lot of people talk, and when they denigrate the Captain Marvel movie because they live at home, haven't talked to a woman in their life, <laughs> and drink Monster and play Call of Duty. Uh, they denigrate the Captain Marvel movie, and they say, it only did that number because of Infinity War and Endgame. Okay, where's Ant-Man and the Wasp's billion-dollar box office, if yeah. that's the case? Yeah. You idiot. Get offline. There are too um, many factors to talk about with uh, film sales, and they're never the reason. They're never just one reason. There's so many different reasons. Absolutely. I think with uh, regards to the Marvels recently, I think the Lowe's box office numbers, I'm, I'm going to come out and say it, I think it's because it wasn't marketed. It was barely marketed. I barely saw a trailer for it. Um, po- post-pandemic cannot be compared to pre-pandemic. Yeah, also that. The, 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 the pandemic just crippled theatres um, and, and, the, and the cinema industry. All live entertainment has suffered. Stand-up, yeah. um, music, um, th- all, all the theatres, touring shows, everything has suffered. Yeah. And it will be a hell of a long time. Look, we all went through, essentially, the Blitz Part 2. <laughs> Right, it was, and and the Blitz. If you don't, if you're not from the UK, the Blitz, the Second World War, and the Blitz, forever changed the the the, the habits, the culture, and the society of this country. Right, um, because it was such a huge collective experience that we all mm. went through when we were being constantly bombed by the Germans for years and years and years, um, and the pandemic was essentially kind of a version of that that everybody went through mm. be it through increased exposures uh, in the workplace because you have been you have no choice but to go to work whether your industry was shut down whether you were locked in home like me and will and lots of other people were as well mm. like but that lock in and that stay away from other people stay away from public places to have lived through two years more of that yeah it has affected our habits and our trends and our behaviors irrevocably and it will we just we going forward from from this point on it is um it is not a good idea to look at movies that came out after the pandemic and go well that didn't do 600 million it would have done before <laughs> i can guarantee you that um and yeah. yes there are always those outliers like no way home and stuff like that but um 
yeah, you're more modest, but it was just suffer. But you are right as well. Uh, and I don't want to get. I don't want to. We'll get to the marvels when we get to the marvels. But it didn't seem like there was a great amount of um, no. advertising put in place. Barely heard about it. Anyway, anyway, anyway. We'll stick. It, let's get back to Ant Man and the Wasp. We've made sense of dollars and cents. Let's get, get. Let's get to some hard facts. Some facts. So. In June 2015, Ant-Man director Peyton Reed expressed interest in returning for a sequel or prequel to that film. Reed said, listen, if we were lucky enough to be able to do a sequel or even a prequel, I'd be way into it. I've really fallen in love with these characters. I was always in love with the characters in the comic book world, but there's a lot of story to tell with Hank Pym. Reed also mentioned that there had been talks of making a standalone adventure with Hank Pym as Ant-Man, Possibly including the original opening to Ant-Man featuring Geordie Moller, which was cut from the final film. I'm not sure if we... Um, yeah. I can't remember if we covered that before. I d- that sounds new, new to me. You Whether know, it was to do yeah. with, um, you know, uh, uh, Douglas being Ant-Man in the 80s or whatever. Mm. Um, it does, does feel like the first movie, by setting up two characters and, and showing us some of that video footage of... Yeah. Um, the, the of of Douglas's Hank is the original Ant Man and stuff. It has created, you know, a, a bit of a world building, a bit of law that that can they go back and revisit. And there's there's some options going on there, aren't there? Yeah, it's 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 nice. It's it because it's like it's not the straightforward origin story. It's like if it's like they were doing a Batman film, but they have like Batman's old, so he's setting up Nightwing to become Batman and that's your Batman film. It feels sure. like that. It's a nice, interesting way of doing it. That's what I really loved about it because it took me by surprise. And I think there's something quite attractive and interesting about how there was a secret superhero in the 1980s and <laughs> the MCU, yes. whereas really yes. the rest of the other superheroes don't really come about until 2008. Yeah, so um, Iron Man's running about. Several decades before that, there's yeah. Ant-Man in secret doing stuff. Yeah, well, obviously you have Captain Marvel doing a little bit, but obviously she, she ran away for a bit. Uh, and Captain America in the 40s. Yeah, it's, it's, it's this nice sort of... Uh, go, not retconning the past... But like planting seeds here and there in a way that doesn't completely turn it into an alien thing. Mm. It, it's just I love this this world building. A month later, Pym actor Michael Douglas said he was not signed for any additional films, but would look forward to more if it comes my way, and expressed the desire to have his wife Catherine Zeta Jones cast as Janet Van Dyne for a potential follow up. I wouldn't have a problem with that, you know. Oh, yeah, she's she's good. She's good. I just, uh, I don't know. It's sometimes when it's husband and wife uh, acting couples, it can be a bit tense. I think. It can be a bit tense. I always find, I always think it's going to be tense. I don't know why. Oh, okay. But you know, you know, she could have done. It would be nice to see Catherine Zeta Jones in the Marvel. <laughs> in the Marvel, I don't know why I put on that accent. I'm really sorry. <laughs> I remember uh, watching the the Christmas Chronicles with uh, Kurt Russell. As Santa Claus, and at the end oh, of that movie, they revealed God. Mrs. Claus is um, Meg Ryan, and I popped massively, and I was like, "Hey, uh, not <laughs> Meg Ryan." I mean, do you mean Goldie Horn? I mean Goldie Go- Horn, don't I? Goldie Horn, yeah. Um, I've I seen her big in time years. for that, and I was like, "Oh, that's really cool." And yeah. she's in the sequel and stuff. So sometimes it's quite nice, a little nice little nod to the real world. Oh yeah, of course. Like uh, everybody loves Overboard. It's a wonderful film. Anyway. In October 2015, Marvel Studios confirmed the sequel titled Atman and the Wasp with a scheduled release date of July 6, 2018. Reed was in negotiations to direct the sequel by the end of the month and announced his return in November. 
Reed stated in early December that the film may call back to the heist film genre and tone of Ant-Man, but that Ant-Man and the Wasp would have an entirely different genre template. He hoped to incorporate additional flashback sequences in the film, as well as explore Pym's various identities from the comics and his psychology. If someone ever said to me in person... um, genre template i would vomit on their face immediately it's like people who use the word kino use what sorry the word kino it's it's german for cinema it's it's, it's a sign of a pretentious film oh goer. right kino right yeah 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 it's, okay. it's, it's I, like oh that's good kino that's proper kino and it's like that's at least say, a thing genre yeah. template is just meaningless what? bs there we go yeah it, um, it's like genre template it's like oh so you are admitting that films are very all films are cookie cutter. Great. Okay. It's wonderful. a shame that this movie didn't get or nothing has really got to explore Pim's various identities and psychology yeah. and stuff because that is the most interesting thing about him. But there we go. He's more of a doddering sidekick, if anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's if more only... Michael. It's more fun, old Michael Douglas, than it is Hank Pym. Definitely. There we go. Yeah, it's. Uh, if only the last Indiana Jones films had that thing instead of making him front and center. God. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Don't hit Grandpa. <laughs> was a still... very difficult movie to watch for me. No, I, I, I still loved the what you said about it. It made me laugh. Even I did enjoy it, even though I'm just like, oh, I don't care anymore. It's silly. Anyway, speaking about what he looks forward to in the film, Reed said, I'm excited just for Evangeline Lilly to actually suit up and become a hero in the movie. I'm also excited about the idea that Ant-Man and the Wasp were a partnership throughout the history of Marvel Comics. It's a different dynamic that we've seen in the rest of the Marvel movies, an actual partnership. You've got Captain America and the Falcon, obviously, but this is a thing that in the comics was a romantic partnership and a heroic partnership, so it's going to be fun to play around with that and discover what the movie version of that is. I feel like we've set up a pretty complicated character in Hope Van Dyne in the first movie. It's going to be fun to see how that plays out in the second movie and continue the exploration of the family dynamics between Scott Lang and his family, but also between Hank Pym and Hope and possibly even Janet. So, it's exciting. This is just waffle. It <laughs> is waffle. Is I, waffle. I, I, I should have cut some of that out, because even though yeah, I was reading yeah, that, I was going, you're, you're I, okay. yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm really trying to sound enthusiastic. <laughs> it's going to be exciting to see this person and that person and this person and that person. And we've also got this person. We've also got that this. person's been exciting. And this person, okay, great, cool. Okay, that's wonderful. Could you, could you, could you... Uh, you These know. are like red carpet quotes. Yeah. Um, people are going into a, 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 a movie premiere or something and they're just off they go they can't really say anything about the movie i just had a, i had a flashback when you know you know that those those promo things they do for films now where they talk about they, they get the actors to sit in a chair and go oh yeah we did yeah this. there was one for the last jurassic park film and they're saying like oh yeah colin trevero yeah he's, he's a real visionary and then like jeff goldblum is doing it so sarcastically you can tell he absolutely think he's a terrible director and i was just <laughs> applauding that I was like yes you know it goldblum you know colin trevero is terrible uh, I've really enjoyed Ridley Scott's press tour for Napoleon. <laughs> yes! It's been incredible. The French, they hate themselves. <laughs> historians, well, historians don't know anything. Were you there? No. Shut up then. It's just been incredible. It's, it's, it's like if, if that was Quentin Tarantino doing that, I'd be like, oh, for God's sake, shut up, Quentin. Stop taking cocaine. But Ridley Scott, this gruff Yorkshireman coming out swinging against the French after making an epic film with the with, uh, Wacken Phoenix. I'm just going, yes, yes, keep it Grumpy going. Grumpy Grandpa Scott. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, 
In early October, an initial script had been completed for the film that was awaiting approval. You oh, missed sorry. the one. Sorry, I missed out. I'm sorry, I'll go back. I missed out one. In June... <laughs> In, in the journey. In June 2016, Reed said that the inspiration from the comics he had been looking at, uh, early Avengers stuff, all the way up to Nick Spencer stuff now, and was focusing on iconic images that could be replicated in the film over story beats from the comics. Right. Let's break that down. Yeah. What inspiration has been taken from the comics? And he's just said, literally, all, all, all of, of Ant-Man in history. <laughs> okay, that's great. And then he said, I'm actually, I'm not focusing on story beats from the comics. I'm focusing on images that I can replicate in the film. Okay. That's it, not filling me with a huge amount of hope there, Peyton, but cool. This, this sounds like Zack Snyder's approach. Mm, it does. I've seen things on Imga. <laughs> and I can film it. I, I, I was really upset that I couldn't just copy and paste the Imga account onto my cell text. I've read the plot writing. synopsis for this great comic book on Wikipedia, and I will now <laughs> film the movie. Yeah. In early October, an initial script had been completed for the film that was awaiting approval from Marvel. Reed later revealed the early draft of the script included a cameo appearance from Captain America appearing during Louise's fla- uh, flashback sequences as he was recapping Lang's involvement in the airport battle in Captain America Civil War. However... The writers chose to remove the appearance in the final script since the events of Civil War were already referenced frequently in the film and this instance didn't feel organic to the story. I think that's a mistake. Like, I think yeah. having Luis's like, hilarious commentary over footage of Civil War would have been really funny. I Getting it would, wrong and mixing it up and stuff. I would have uh, absolutely loved to have seen that. And I think that was what... We'll get on to Mania when we do, but I think that was missing... Uh, from Quantum Mania, I know there was a. Lo- it was quite a different film. Oh yeah, he's not in it. Yeah, he's not in it. I would have loved to have uh, Louise. Uh, you know, and then there was that whole in joke of at the start of Endgame, they should have Louise basically <laughs> recap the entire Infinity War, which would have. I think there were. I, I there, was loved- an in, there was an in-joke in Endgame of Luis? No, no, there was an in-joke online about Endgame uh, should start online, with Luis. not in the real world, I see. That's why uh, I didn't know what you were talking about. Oh, sorry, about. sorry, on, on, <laughs> on Termally Online. I would have loved that as like a DVD extra or something if they just filmed it for like a little thing because I you know, I'd be like, oh, great, great, I want to watch this. You know? <laughs> yeah. I miss DVD extras. <sighs> That's, yeah, and, uh, and, and DVD menus with actual uh, inspiration and creativity. Oh, there's them's were the days. Quantum physicist uh, Spirodon Makalakis from the Institute of Quantum Information and Matter at the California Institute of Technology returned to consult on the film after doing the same on Ant-Man. This bloody joke. This bloody guy. This bloody guy. Calm down. And explain the science behind... Why? Waste of money. Why? (laughs) Why? Why? Getting extremely small to the filmmakers. Makalakis said... Marvel really has gone out of their way to incorporate real, interesting science. I think they realise that so much real science almost feels like science fiction. I don't know why they... I don't know why they... I mean, I I, I would maybe, like, call him, like, have a quick email, like, thing saying, oh, you know, if we did this, 
you know, would that, what, you know, is there anything we should consider that could work with that? We could, we could, you know, write around it or something just so it's not too zany and it'd be like, oh, and maybe we can get some inspiration. And it's like, Stan no. Lee did not build the Marvel Universe based on actual science. He based it on insane thoughts in his head and stuff he overheard on the radio. That's the only science you need, kids. The only science you need. Excelsior! Michael Lackis also described the subatomic realm as a place of infinite possibility, an alternative universe where the laws of physics and forces of nature as we know as we know them haven't crystallized, and suggested it could be represented in the film by beautiful colours changing constantly to reflect yeah, sure, why not? Why not, mate? We're paying you thousands, and what you come up with is um, you need to uh, you need to have a real scientist to consult on this because it's a world where science doesn't work properly. Cool, great. There are no laws of physics. Why do I need this dude? It's I just so much resent these people. I don't know why. It's do you know what it feels like? It's like okay, we want to make this film with some realism to it. You know, we've hired you. You're the best of your field. How can we do the quantum realm? And he just pulls out a kaleidoscope and goes, "Ooh." <laughs> it's just uh, like obviously Obviously, these things need. I'm not saying anything goes. These things have to have an internal logic, but there are millions of science fiction stories Mm. that have a consistent internal story logic and don't need to hire some dude from a university and pay him thousands to be a science consultant. Like with films like, say, Interstellar, I get it. You're doing something involved, and, and the whole film's narrative and theme is based around time dilation and this thing. I get it. You need a guy to explain to you how black holes work. I, you know, to a degree. Okay, yeah, maybe that's, that's Christopher Nolan's approach. Is oh, I want to bring something real to it, or or something intelligent that only five percent of the audience will really admire, and the rest of them will go, oh, that's fine. But anyway, yeah, anyway, anyway, I'll move away from that. Louis Frogley, uh, Louis Frogley served as costume designer on the film after doing so. Uh, for Marvel Spider-Man Homecoming and worked with Ivo Cavene to create the superhero suits for the film. Based on the designs by Andy Park, the suits are updated for the film from the 1960s inspired designs used in the first Ant-Man to more didn't, modern designs. They didn't feel they were 1960s no, they inspired. In the, feel they look like brand new modern modern era costumes in that first movie. Let's, let's just hire the guy who did the X-Men film suits. Yeah, yeah. We'll yeah, yeah, yeah. The Wasp suit included practical wings which were replaced with digital wings for when they were expanded and ready for flight. The Russo brothers, directors from Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame, which were filming while Ant-Man and the Wasp uh, was preparing to film, were in constant discussion with Reed in order to ensure story elements would line up between the films. Joe Russo added that Ant-Man and the Wasp would have some plot elements that stitch in closely with the Avengers Infinity War, more so than any of the other films leading up to the Avengers films. Presumably that's that's stuff about the the quantum tunnel and... Mm-hmm. Um, it's about time moving differently in the quantum realm. And yep, yep, yep. The yep. ending, I suppose. The, well, yeah, the, the the end of the end. Yeah, exactly. Read New Ant-Man and the Wasp would be a fairly, uh, fairly standalone movie, but could not ignore the events of Infinity War, with the biggest connection occurring in the film's mid-credit sequence. Since the events of Ant-Man and the Wasp occur over 48 hours, the timeline in relation to Infinity War was less perfect, purposefully ambiguous. Further to how the story coincides with the conclusion of Infinity War, Reed said, So, it felt really fun to us 
to not have any clues for the bulk of the movie, he says. People would be watching the movie, watching for clues, and then they hopefully get caught up in the story and forget about it. We like the idea of the structure where, in true Ant-Man style, everybody has closure, everything's tied together, and almost in too neat of a bow at the end. Scott's not on house arrest, and Ant-Man and the Wasp are together. Scott and Louise's ex-comp business is doing well, and then to BANG! Give the audience a gut punch right after the main credits. That felt like our movie's tone and the way of dealing with that. It would also be very, very difficult to have a movie like anything else and your whole movie would be dominated by what happened in Infinity War. Yeah, you'd you'd need to really sort of block it out. (laughs) You'd have to revolve around another movie and it wouldn't be possible to do that, I don't think. Yeah, very, very hard. Speaking about the film's length, 118 minutes, Reed said, On the first Ant-Man, I had this rule. This movie has to be under two hours long. I had that same rule for Ant-Man and the Wasp. It's a comedy, and a comedy should not overstay its welcome. This thing needed to be move like a bullet train because it's still in the crime genre, and there's this ticking clock, a finite amount of time in which the story takes place. Movies that were an influence to us in that regard were Midnight Run, the Robert De Niro movie After Hours, the Scorsese movie, uh, and the set. Sorry, Midnight Run, the Robert De Niro movie After Hours, the Scorsese movie, and Seven Chances, the Buster Keaton movie. Midnight Run is one of my favorite movies. I love that film. Oh, do I have to write this down now? What? <laughs> it's yeah. a great movie. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's probably good, is it? De Niro's a. It's a comedy. It's a comedy kind of crime movie. De Niro's. Um, like one of those, you know, bounty hunters, but the real world bounty hunters that are collecting, abra- you know, v- v- convicts that have skipped on bail and stuff. Skipped on bail, the, and the, he has the, to, not exciting it, things. And it becomes a, a buddy, like a, like a weird mismatched comedy where he's got this guy in cuffs. It's really, it's really good fun. Oh, Anytime good. it's on 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 TV, that's me done. I, I sit and watch it. That's my night. Doesn't matter what time of bedtime is going to be. I'm now sitting and watching Midnight Run to the end, um, <laughs> but I love that. I love that approach to. to I want every mm. movie maker to go. I'm going to make a movie less than two hours. Um, I. It's, it's a great time. I remember around the time of like uh, the Dark Knight, where I was like, "Oh, you can make a, a longer superhero movie or something like that." Uh, and I'm thinking, like, you know, maybe films should be a bit longer. And now I'm just like, ninety minutes. If Phil yeah. was 90 minutes... I two hours s- is kind of fine as well. Two, two hours is fine. Two hours feels is- like a blessing. Yeah. 90 minutes feels perfect. Like, I can get through this film, you know, without having to commit too much. I can get through it. But he's also true about uh, wanting it to have a ticking clock pace, to move quick if it's a heist mm. crime movie. Um, and uh, comedies do... You kind of have a long comedy. You just can't yeah. have it. I... I- I'm trying to think if there is such a thing as a long comedy film, but I can't think. I don't think there is. You would not be able to do that. You'd be laughed out. Anyway, finally, Paul Rudd really did learn close-up magic for this movie. Speaking about this, Rudd said, I really did learn some of the magic. I haven't really kept it up. But then again, trying to learn to be good at magic in a short amount of time is like trying to learn the violin in a short amount of time. So I thought I close. I, I remember looking at that and thinking... I vaguely remember the magic, and then watching the film, I was like, "Oh wow, he's actually there's really a lot good. of magic in this. Yes. Lots of yeah, <laughs> lots of magic and uh, distraction." These movies don't occur in a vacuum; they happen as part of a rich tapestry of pop culture <laughs> moments and history. And on this uh, podcast, we like to do what we can to chart those moments and to provide you with the full context 
for how these Marvel movies occur and into the landscape in which they arrive. We're going back to 2018, which we've covered a fair few times because I think we, we looked at 2018 as like the number one, like there's more superhero movies released in this year than any other year. The tons of Marvel movies. We've delved a lot into 2018. I mean, we're up to all sorts of various things. <laughs> Lots of just various stuff. Um, we hadn't yet crossed paths, I don't think. No, no, no. I don't think we'd meet to 2019, would we? 2019, yeah, I think I think the start of 2019 would be correct. Yeah. Um, you're gigging away on the uh, the London circuit. Yeah. Um, I've uh, moved full-time into writing comedy with other people and kind of masterminding and helping to to help them to put together direct their their kind of Edinburgh shows and 2018 I've done some wonderful stuff uh, for for big TV shows in the UK like Mock the Week and um I wrote a pilot for Comedy Central that 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 never aired um but that was very interesting good filming experience anyway uh, in the rest of the world the Laurel Yanni debate raged <laughs> across Reddit and Twitter. Do you remember this? There was a oh, clip yeah, yeah. of a, a woman saying one word, and depending on what word you had read, you could hear it two ways. Mm. Some people heard Yanni, some people heard the word yacht, Laurel. Um, and it was a. Do you remember this coming out? It's kind of like I a new do. brown dress, blue dress, kind of whatever it was. Yeah, it was white, white or. White, white or, or blue, that was blue, it. White and gold, it was just yeah. like, I don't care. I don't oh, care. I'm sorry, okay. I'm done. But it was a big thing that's important yeah. and we're talking about it. Important, um, the problem yeah. you bring things up with Will is he goes, oh, I don't care. He goes, yeah, but we're going to talk about it because it's part of the show. <laughs> um, it was um, Originally, it was from like a pronunciation website that was for the word laurel. So the word actually being said was laurel. Yeah. Um, and there was a whole bunch, like loads of like... Um, Science people looked into why do people why are people hearing the word two different ways? Did they get Michael Lycalis on it? <laughs> I'm also good at this kind of stuff too, so guys. With the quantum realm, give us <laughs> another thousand quid, and I'll tell you. Um, and they looked; it was to do with like sort of some of the way that words sound and mm. ears work, and all this kind of stuff. Um, all manner of celebrities got in on the debate until it was seized upon by Trump's White House staffers, um, and eventually Trump got in on the meme. And that kind of killed it off. Um, it's easily the worst thing he's ever done. <laughs> uh, I don't. This is a weird one. It was yeah. reported in in May that the journalist. So 29th of May, uh, Russian journalist and war correspondent Arkady Babchenko was assassinated as he returned to his apartment in Kiev. That was a big story. The prime minister yeah. of the Ukraine claimed that Russia were responsible for the assassination. And then the next day, he jumped out from behind a potted plant and went, I'm still alive! <laughs> <laughs> Babchenko's not dead! I barely and remember this. I barely was, remember this. It was all a, a ruse as part of a Ukrainian security secret service plot to expose uh, Russian agents and the fakers murder and stuff. Yeah. yeah. He uh, didn't need three days to come back from the dead. Not saying anything, but there you go. Um, <laughs> who bit Beyonce was the other big debate of the year. Do you remember this? No. The world doesn't remember anything to do with pop culture. I, I need to remember I, this. I'm I, I really surprised this one's passed me because I would have known. I feel like I should have known about this. So comedian and actor, actor Tiffany Haddish gave uh, an interview 
where she recounted a story from being at one of like Jay-Z and Beyonce's incredibly illustrious lockdown secretive parties mm. where you have to sign an NDA to go there and stuff and you have to like throw your mobile phone in a <laughs> river before you even get to go in. Um, and at this story, apparently an unnamed, she said, she tells this story's reporter, an unnamed actress bit Beyonce's face in what was believed to be like a drug-fueled moment of overexcitement and just drugs. Yeah. And Haddish was like, I was going to go beat this woman's ass. And Beyonce had to kind of talk me out of it and was like, just leave it. She's on drugs. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then it all went, when that story came out, it went crazy. Everyone was trying to find out yeah. who who bit Beyonce. It was like the new lemonade, who is Becky with the good hair kind of deal. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the world went to a frenzy. Eventually, there was allegedly, it was a, an, an actor called um, Sana Lathan, who is the voice of Donna in Family Guy slash The Cleveland Show. She's um, uh, the law- She's Kendall's lawyer in succession and a ah. bunch of other movies, but in the Aliens vs. Predator movies and stuff like that. Allegedly, it was her that did bite Beyonce. What kind of a card do you have to send the next day? What kind of text message do you have to come up with? Sorry, I accidentally bit your face from drugs. It wasn't an accident. Well, not an accident. Well, you don't bite someone accidentally. I don't know. Um, (laughs) The same year, there was another, like, who was this? Like, Drake's, I think Drake had that song out where it was like, everyone was trying to work out who was Kiki. Had this song about Kiki, I'm running. Mm. And it was all like, it's the songs about Kim Kardashian. But he's like, oh, I didn't say her name. And then Kanye West just went, don't you ever say her name again. (laughs) Oh, so it it was her. He did did get together with Kim Kardashian. Okay. Weird. Um, uh, Oh, it was the year of Baby Shark. Oh, no. Yeah. No, yeah. Uh, yeah. Baby Shark um, is a song and a dance that uh, went mad. Pink Fong, a South Korean uh, entertainment company, released a cover version of the song. Apparently, the song had already been out there for a while. Like, apparently, the song goes back to the 90s or something. Um, but they had this cover version with a just a basic YouTube music video for kids with a little dance. And four years after it was released and uploaded, it mm. went mental. It went viral um, across all social media, online videos, the radio, TV. Um, it eventually becomes Baby Shark is the first YouTube video to reach 10 billion <laughs> views. Billion with a B. Wow. Um, yeah, it started to go viral at the end of 20, 000, uh, 2017 mm. and then reached its annoying zenith uh, in 2018. A universal hit, making it the successor to Gangnam Style. Yay! Who will be the new Gangnam Style? It is Baby Shark. Yeah. Um, will, get this. Baby <laughs> Shark, the song and kind of dance, was adapted into toys, <sighs> mobile games... A breakfast cereal <laughs> and a TV show with Nickelodeon. Capitalist um, gonna capitalism, I guess. I remember it was on a, an awful, you know, yeah. had, uh, you know, my my godsons. So what? Uh, how they would been? Where, where are we now? And they're that age. So oh, the eldest would have been. Um, yeah, he would have been. Yeah, right in that sweet spot around six. Um, five or six minutes being the thing. Um, mm. Yeah. 
Um, oh, brutal. And it was indeed used to torture prisoners. <laughs> of course it was, Rob. Of course it was. In October 2020, two former detention officers and a supervisor <laughs> at an Oklahoma County jail were charged with counts of misdemeanor cruelty <laughs> and conspiracy for forcing inmates to listen to the song on a loop at loud volumes whilst they were handcuffed for extended periods of time. <laughs> um, that's, that's the cultural events. Um, the music world, we think we've already looked at the top selling singles of the year. Yeah, um, we've done that God's previously. Plan by Drake, mm. uh, One Kiss by Calvin Harris and Dua Lipa. She's so hot right now. Um, Shotgun <laughs> by George Ezra, Perfect by Ed Sheeran, and Thank You Next by Ariana Grande were the top five singles. And the best selling albums of the year worldwide, I thought it would be interesting to take a look at. Yeah, good stuff. Um, the the number one. Can you have any guess what the number one album? <sighs> I mean, I, re- I you'd look I, at that list and go, "Well, Drake's got the number one single. Maybe it's Drake." They take it over, but maybe but, it's but, Ed Sheeran. I'm going to sound like uh, Mark from Peep Show when he tries to guess music. I've only stuff. got one album. Got one, yeah, I, I I I'll just go. It's probably Taylor Swift, isn't it? I'm going to go say Taylor Swift. <laughs> no, it's not a Swift year. Yeah. Um, she doesn't feature. The number one album was actually the soundcast, the soundcast, the cast soundtrack to the Greatest Showman, um, ooh, the, the, the Wolverine ooh. in a Top Hat movie. Wolverine in a Top Hat. Wolverine in a Circus. I remember the song popping up, and I went, "Yep, that sounds like every single modern musical song." Yeah, I ever. agree. I agree. Yep, yep, uh, yep. Sold three point five uh, million. I don't know if that's dollars or units. No idea. <laughs> um, and then the next two are both BTS. It's this. I yeah. don't know. So BTS because it's worldwide and BTS are huge. Yeah. Um. Al- the, 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 number two and number three are both BTS. Love yourself. They look like there's two versions of this album. One called Answer, which is the second best selling album of the year, two point seven million. And then the third is Love Yourself Tear with two point three million. So they're huge. They're, they're, they're huge. It. But I've never heard a song by them. Neither of neither have I. No. Part of it, them and Blackpink, massive. Part yeah. of it is because I'm worried I'm going to become a BTS <laughs> fangirl when I hear one song. Because um, yeah. I've lost one or two friends to it. They've wow. become insufferable, and I've had to kind of mute them on all social media. Wow. The fourth best-selling album um, is, once again, so this is the proof that like actual Western pop is dead because it's not a Western pop star. It's the soundtrack to A Star Is Born, the big movie. Um, Lady Gaga, Bradley Cooper, uh, 1.9 million. Um, if you saw that film? No, I that. did. I, I haven't seen the original. I think I've put it on my list. But I looked at it and went, ah, I mean, I'm sure it's a good film. just doesn't look like it's up my alley. <laughs> I think I saw it the same holiday that I saw uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh, no, I can't have done it. must have been the year before because mm. this is, yeah, I can't have done um, it. was, uh, I don't know, it was okay. Mm. Um, I thought the, 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 the major song and the moment that she sings that major song um, as being someone that comes from nothing to performing in front of a big crowd of people was really mm. cool. The yeah. rest of it I did really enjoy, but there you yeah, go. Um, Johnny Halliday. Mm, that sounds like someone come. from the fifties. It does, but apparently not. Montpellier Celeste Lamour. Don't know nothing about that. Something uh, about French. And then uh, the sixth best selling was Ed Sheeran with his stupid things where it goes the div- divide. It's just the divide uh, symbol. I looked at that earlier uh, in the notes, and I was like, "Oh no, did you lean on the keyboard <laughs> or something?" I, I'm not a fan of this fella. Uh, One point yeah. three million, um, th- and then and then another movie soundtrack. <laughs> 
It's the soundtrack to um, the Queen Bohemian Rhapsody movie. That's now, I don't weird. know if that's just all the songs from the movie, so it's like a best of, or if it's re-recording with brand new cast voices. I don't know. I don't um, like that idea. I imagine mm. it's just re-releasing the classic Queen songs. Well, I, w- I was weirdly a big Queen fan as a teenager. Don't know why. We've all we're, gone we're through that a bit of that. We, and I, uh, I, I will happily never listen to Queen again. But oh no, know I'm, still that a big, good. I'm still a big. I'm still They're really, really wonderful. Oh no, I, I, I think I, songs. I, I don't know why. In my rebellious stage, one of my rebellions was Queen. Um, <laughs> that's what's rock music, Rob. The most acceptable form of rebellion. <laughs> um, Pink had beautiful, a beautiful trauma album at uh, number eight. Eminem's uh, kind of return with Kamikaze was the ninth best-selling um, album of the year. The tenth was another movie soundtrack. <laughs> it was Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, the sequel, um, which sold oh, under a million. Oh, God. I never even saw the first one, but that's all the sequel, and it's like, oh, yeah. No, sorry, I saw the trailer for the sequel. I was like, ah, yeah, yeah, I get what they're doing here. Bringing what do you mean every- I get what they're doing here? Bringing back everybody, putting some extra yeah. zazz in with Cher. I get it. I get what they're doing here. Having fun. You're having fun. That's it. Um, the big TV shows of the year, some big uh, events in the world of television. We've talked before about how Better Call Saul and Barry both... Um, oh, yes. It was their first episodes, wasn't it, in uh I believe in so, yeah, yeah. I remember, I remember the first uh, Better Call Saul, seeing that first. And yeah, that, that took a while, but I loved it. And Barry, I didn't get onto until the other year. But bloody hell, what a good show! Um, I might have to revisit it Barry. when. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, really enjoyed the first series, or maybe the first two. I can't remember. Mm. And then when Barry becomes an, when he becomes when like I was having fun with the original premise, and then yeah. they went, "Nope, you don't get that anymore." Yeah. Now you, this is a TV show about being miserable. It's a and gut abuse. Punch. And yeah. I was like, hey, guess cool and enjoy the critical reviews and the awards. But I didn't come here for this. <laughs> so I'm I'm gone. I'm out. Um, <laughs> That's fair enough, man. Killing Eve became a hit for the BBC on both sides of the Atlantic. That's a great series. Really recommend seeing uh, Killing Eve. Um, the Good Place landed on Netflix like at the end of 2017. Mm. And it became the show everyone with Netflix talked about in 2018. Um, and I was certainly one of those people. Um, although, I don't want to ruin anything. No, I can't go. because no, I can't. I can't. I can't kind of talk about this. They changed the premise, right? And I thought the original premise would have been from the first episode would have been a great premise for about five or six seasons of a fun sitcom. And I just. I, I hold sitcoms in a higher level of regard than anything else, and I don't like shows that want to um, change the characters and advance and give me a story. Yeah. I'm not yeah, interested that. in that. I have the same issue with Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. I didn't get on with that. I Great. I, I, think it was, I think it was funny all the way through, but they wanted to do character development. It's a mm. sitcom. Don't do character <laughs> development. What's wrong with you? Um <laughs> And uh, after being cancelled by Fox, Brooklyn Nine-Nine returns to the airs, this time on NBC. Mm. Um, I thought Fox was a weird place for Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah. Uh, because it's, a, it's made by the people that made all of the great sitcoms for NBC. Yeah. It was made by NBC's production company. Why the hell wasn't it on NBC to begin Maybe. with? Oh, a show about the police. We'll definitely have that. I think that's Fox's Maybe. Take. Maybe. Yeah. Um... I just uh, people 
I am baffled by people's love for Brooklyn Nine Nine. It's okay. Like it. It's fine. Oh, it's it's a lot of fun. Come it's on. it's okay. I, I, it never I, it never landed to the likes of Kimmy Schmidt for me or Thirty Rock or oh, it, any of those great shows. Compare it to Thirty Rock. I mean, Brooklyn Nine Nine. It's it's, it's, a it's made by the same people as The Office and <clears throat> Parks and Rec. Yeah. Right. It so be, my expectation yeah. is top tier, and it isn't. And there you go. That's just the end of it. <laughs> but I can enjoy um, it without going. It's not. Well, it's not as good as those shows, so I can't enjoy that's it. That's not my attitude. My attitude is <clears throat> this is not landing properly. Yeah. This just doesn't have it. Mm. It doesn't have it. It's okay. It's to me. It's a. It's above. It's maybe on a par with like Big Bang Theory or around that area. It's above. How I Met Your Mother, but yeah. not by not by hand okay. shoulders. I'm getting you there. I'm getting Best you. selling video <laughs> games in America. We had Red Dead Redemption Two, the worst video game I've ever played. Shut up. Um, Call Shut of up. Duty, Black Ops Four, um, NBA Two K Nineteen, Madden NFL Nineteen, Super Smash Bros Ultimate. Um, in Europe, the the top ten games also include things like FIFA Nineteen, of course, and Spider Man makes the list along with Mario Kart. Um. Uh, was it a great year for video games for you? Every year is a great year for video games, Rob. I believe 2018. What did I play in 2000? I think I was playing Subnautica. What was I? I was playing various games. I, I lose track. I think 2019 was a big one for me because that was when <coughs> the Resident Evil 2 remake came out. Wrong year, though. I know. <laughs> well, I mean, of course, I, the, the biggest games of the year are all the uh, free online ones like Fortnite and that. There's never any of the actual I never, games I ne- that come out. I never, never, ever bothered with Fortnite. Uh, there was Far Cry 3, but I played. Sorry, Far Cry 5, but I played that later, maybe. I. I hmm. What the hell was happening in 2000? Oh, sorry, I'm looking at stuff now. What the hell's going on? Well, we'll on? just let him get on with it, folks. We'll get on with the sorry. show. Um, the yeah. highest grossing <laughs> movies of 2018 is uh, dominated by um, by Marvel. We've got the Black Panther that made over $700 million at the box office. Um, Infinity War that made uh, $678 That's million. mad, that Black Panther be Infinity War, because you thought Infinity it, War would be the... No, 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 but it's not. It's the amount of money they made that year. Of course, someone got released. So if yeah, Infinity yeah, War yeah, comes yeah, out yeah. later in the year, which it did, then it doesn't make as much in that calendar year. Mm. Um, the Incredibles 2, um, mm. over $608 million, $100 million, of course. Um Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom 417 million and Deadpool 2 318 million mm. and the other like the an insane amount of of superhero movies as we talked about that year we also had as well as all those do you count Incredibles 2 no um <laughs> as well as those movies plus Ant-Man and the Wasp we had Venom um Aquaman uh, which is a billion dollar movie somehow uh and I still don't understand that one yeah and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Ooh, what a um, film. A massive, massive year um, uh, for, 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 for superhero genre. Or superhero movies. I don't think they're a genre, but there we go. Mm. Um, they even crop up on the top-telling DVDs of the year. Um, Greatest Showman is, of course, at the very top, which sold uh, over $22 million worth of mm. DVDs. Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. That was fun. That yeah. was a lot of fun, that film. Had a lot of fun with that one, yeah. yeah. Uh, Black Panther is the third highest grossing DVD of the year. Mm. Um, uh, Coco, the, the Disney... I haven't seen that Disney movie. Um, 
and uh, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. And I got an interesting note when I was looking at DVD sales uh, in 2018. So at its peak in 2005, DVD mm. sales were 16.3 billion. In 2018, sales are just 2 billion. (laughs) Oh, bloody hell. A loss of over $14 billion for movie studios. That's incredible. Now, that is physical copies, I Mm. think. It doesn't take into account, because that's what DVD means, it doesn't take into account digital copies that they sell. And, of course, they make money from licensing and kind of essentially renting these movies to Mm. Netflix et al., but it's still you're going to have to do an awful lot of sales to recoup 14 billion. Mm. Um, huge, absolutely huge. In the world of Marvel, um, we had um, Civil War two. That took place, and that's yeah. something that me and Will have covered in a big bonus episode um, available on Patreon.com/slash Marvel versus Marvel. Um, and that was a, a hell of a, a crossover event, Will. Oh, massively so. Captain Marvel and Iron Man go head-to-head, and the Avengers are split down the middle. Miles Morales caught in the middle. Um, And there's kind of like a soft relaunch of a lot of Marvel key characters. So, um, sorry, uh, Civil War II did not take place in in 2018. Um, The the ramifications occurred in 2018. Yes, I'm I'm a couple of years out here. (laughs) Sorry, I I just saw... Uh, what happened at the end of Civil War II? And I went, oh, this came out. No, it didn't. I was so eager to talk about our bonus episode, I just jumped the gun. So, at the end of like Civil War II, uh, as you'll know, spoiler, 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 Tony Stark is beaten to the brink of death and is in a coma and he's never going to walk again and he's mm. never going to be able to talk again. And so, kind of, another character takes his place. We get Riri Williams, who um, becomes Ironheart. Um, and we get Captain America has been replaced by the Falcon. Um, Wolverine dies and is replaced by the the clone of, of Logan, Laura Kinney. Um, Thor is gone and replaced by Jane Foster as the new Thor. Um, Bruce Banner is dead. We get a new Amadeus Cho becoming the Hulk. Well, in 2015, um, we, we get the return of what you might call the great legacy characters. So 2018 mm, okay, okay. sees Tony Stark's back as Iron Man, Steve Rogers is back as Captain America, Logan's back from the dead, Odin's on his Thor again, Bruce Banner is the Hulk again, back from the dead. So we get a lot of um a lot of the legacy characters return after several years of establishing these new young different characters in those kind of starring roles. And we mm. also get the um the return of the Fantastic Four which had been Ooh. broken up at the conclusion of the Secret Wars storyline in 2015. They were outside yes. of the universe for a while. Mm. And um, 2018, Marvel's fresh start. We get Peter Parker and Mary Jane Watson resuming their relationship <laughs> for the first time since their marriage was destroyed by Mephisto. <laughs> in the One More Day storyline. Nice. We're going to get to that. I can't gonna, wait. I'm, I'm. It's when we do, uh, no way home. That's when we'll do it. Yeah. So I have we're a feeling uh, we'd have to wait for that. It's yeah. probably going to be 2025. I think Ooh, by the time we what, get to that. What fun times ahead! Uh, plans for the future. Um, and we also, of course, sadly have the passing 
in 2018 of Stanley at the age of 95. What's in your mailbag, Will? Some mail. Oh. <laughs> I don't know what's that. Okay, like, no. If you sing it at me, I feel like I've got to do something dramatic back and I feel I've undersold. Anyway, David Fan <laughs> wrote in to say, I remember enjoying this movie because it was right after Infinity War and it was fun and not too serious. Then the end credit scene ruined it and made us feel depressed again. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's that gut punch that the, the yep. filmmakers talked about, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Mr. Mike Lord said, This isn't as much fun as the first Ant-Man film, but it does have its moments. Paul Rudd is effortlessly charming as Scott Lang and is very much the glue that holds the film together. I can't imagine the films working anywhere near as well without him. Ghost isn't really much of an adversary, and a bit of a run, and after a run of strong villains, feels something of a letdown. But it was nice to see Bill Foster and Janet Van Dyne brought into the mythos, and to finally see Hope suit up after that tease at the end of Ant Man. Thank you, Mr. Mike Lloyd. Um, I think it's mythos rather than mythos. Mythos sounds like a Greek beer. It is um, a Greek beer. Mythos yeah, is a go. Greek beer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you, Mike. I think you're right. Yeah. Um, I think there's sometimes... Sometimes with some of these movies, it's like, well, the situation and the ticking clock is this, the ticking clock is that. Mm. We're actually going to give you a character that that is an antagonist but pulls at the heartstrings rather than a villain. Sometimes yeah. that's fine, but sometimes Marvel does that a bit too much, and you kind of go, "I want a bad guy." I, I just want, I just want. Well, that's, that's that's when we got the high evolutionary. It was like, "Great, I hate him." Mm, yeah, that's all. That's all. That's all com- oh, that's watching, all- watching, watching him get his ass kicked was a wonderful, like the end of Rocky. You know, the end of any <laughs> of the Rocky movies where you're like, "Yeah, punch him, punch him in his face." And you're just like so into it. It was the most satisfied I've been by. A villain beatdown in years. But we've had so many villains outside of Marvel too, where it's like, oh, maybe they do have a point. And it's yeah. like, don't, don't, don't muddy the waters. I want, I want satisfaction on a very animalistic level. Anyway, Bev McRitchie said, in my limited opinion, uh, it was a lovely bit of fluff, but didn't uh, didn't need huge stakes. But then after the credit scene indicated stakes were on the horizon at the time. Unrelated. Uh, thought think that with the Loki season two finale having having potentially allowed for any story to take place and without a need to dovetail to a large story much like this movie. I have no idea what that means, Bev. I don't know. Read I, it I, again. Okay. In my unrelated. Opi- in in my limited opinion. No, no, not that bit. The, the bit that we don't understand. Unrelated thought. Think that. Think with Loki two season two finale have uh, potentially allowed for any storyline to take place without a need to dovetail to a larger story much like this movie. No, still don't understand. Thanks, Bev. <laughs> That's fine. Greg Houston said it was a fun romp with no real stakes and then the tie-in post-credit scene, post-credit t- to make sense with Infinity War. I liked it. Feels like MCU can't decide if Ant-Man should be Avengers level or street uh, level, uh, sorry, street crime level uh heroing and stories i haven't had any issues with the whole uh, franchise though gotta love a walter goggins cameo thank you greg i mean i don't i don't know like they do they are juggling some things mm. but i mean that's indicative of a lot of marvel characters you know spider-man there's humble beginnings and then there's multi-dimensional stuff um, yeah yeah true 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 also, I don't. I don't think it harms this movie for there to be 
gangsters doing a crime and another dimension. Um, but yeah. um, but some people might find that's uh, too significant of a of a of a, a gear shift, maybe. Yeah, potentially. King Canuck uh, wrote in to say Ant Man Two. More Ant-Man was a pretty fun film. <laughs> when there was a, no sign of him in Infinity War due to brief mentioned plea deals, I was curious what the deal was going to be, and I really liked the results. Scott being actually quite beloved by his ex and her husband was such a subversion that I'm really happy with. He may not have been a good husband, but he can still be a great friend. I want to uh, put aside, I, I, I love this dynamic. It's such a wonderful dynamic to see. Uh, mm. it's lovely uh, Ghost is really cool to me the look of her powers the fact it's something of a fantasy chronic illness gives her a believable amount of frustration and pain and perhaps lack of level head that can you can understand pretty well if you've dealt with prolonged pain and injury I feel Louise and the convicts were a joy once again they were missed in the third film my one gripe, I did the reading, and I know that Sonny Birch is an Ant-Man-related figure, but right. I can't help but think that his role could have been a Justin Hammer, free after a decade in prison, trying to do what he always did and steal other people's tech. Just me, though. And that ending. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> Sam Rockwell costs a lot more money than Walter Goggins. <laughs> That's just how it works. Um, yeah, true. And also, true. Sonny Birch is not an Ant-Man-related character. Um, oh, and I think this might... I don't know. I talk to King Kanuck a lot about Marvel stuff. Yeah. I feel that same. he's pitched Justin Hammer about half a dozen times. <laughs> <laughs> I feel he's always talking about, but maybe Justin Hammer could come back. I, and I don't I, doubt. I think that would have been good fun. I, I, I am all for Justin Hammer coming back, and I really want it to happen soon. But I, this, it, it, this would no longer be a 130 million movie. It would be oh, a yeah, 140 million movie or something. Mm big numbers <laughs> okay someone's not getting a yacht at the end of the month uh anyway and that ending i wasn't sure if we would connect right to infinity war and what a moment when it was happy 100 episodes by the way captain america throws his mighty shield lives in my head red free beside <laughs> his shouting with the dancers in first avenger have a good one lads thank you king canock uh dan compton said this is a great fun movie the perfect palate cleanser after all the pain and tension of Infinity War. It's got jokes for days, brilliant actors we all love, and for Marvel old heads like me, it's got tons of great characters from the 70s and 80s. Perfect Marvel fun. Thank you, Dan. I I um, think, yeah, an underplayed mm. thing is this thing of actors we have a fondness for and really like. Mm. Like having Michael Douglas, Michelle Pfeiffer, and Lawrence Fishburne um in this movie is really cool right yeah absolutely it adds a lot to a movie mm. with you know kind of a lesser star as the lead a guy from yeah. friends as the lead you know the guy from, <laughs> the guy from one season of friends as the lead um yeah pack it with douglas and yeah. michelle pfeiffer and everybody i thought that was uh that's kind of nice yeah, no, no, makes sense. Lastly, we have uh, Jilly T, who has just joined us on Patreon. I've wanted to join your Patreon ever since you did the Infinity Gauntlet bonus episode after Infinity War. But I know that once I signed up, I would struggle to leave. So it's just taken me a while to get the funds together. I finally did it when you announced the new bonus episode was going to Civil War to be Civil War 2. I love the big bonus episode you did on Civil War. It's one of my favourite podcasts you've ever done. 
So I realised I could binge Infinity Gauntlet and Civil War the same month and both episodes were so good. All your bonus shows are great. I listened to Secret Invasion to see what uh, what they got so wrong in the MCU and the comic book story is just amazing. I love it when Will doesn't know what's going on. I was... Then you'll like most of Will. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to cancel my subscription uh, at the end of November, but the episode you've just announced for December sounds so interesting. I think I'll stick around. Thank you uh, so much, um, Jilly. Um, we're really pleased that you've uh, joined us and then uh, ended up sticking around. And yeah, man, like I know Will's really, uh, really jazzed for the December bonus when we've recorded it already. Ooh, yes. um, if you're not with us on patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel, you're missing out and you're only doing it to yourself. Every month on Patreon, we release amazing bonus shows packed full of Marvel stories, history, trivia, and fun. And if you're not with us, and you're the ones in the dunce seats, um, <laughs> you're missing out on big shows that cover the Infinity Gauntlet, which is the movie that inspired Marvel's biggest successes, the MCU's biggest successes. Mm. You're missing out on Kang Dynasty, the Spider-Verse, the Young Avengers, and tons more. And at the end of the day, it comes down to two kinds of people. The people that do the right thing for this podcast mm. that they love, keep coming back to every week, and the people that don't bother, that can't be bothered, that, that aren't a higher caliber of person, Will, that aren't our kind of people. And I tell you who is our kind of people. It's the world-class wrecking crew, the ones that always do the right thing. Peter J., Brandon Schmigilski, Zach Thomas, Basta Beer, Sam, Bindi, Sue P, Jack Davis, Zubair Q, David Fan. Big names. Big names. Big players. Big players. With the big cheddar cheese that they bring every month to support this podcast, support this show, to keep us on the air, to make sure we don't go dark like a lot of podcasts when that support runs out. And mm. uh, in exchange, they get access to all kinds of goodies and bonus stuff. Absolutely. Everyone that subscribes on Patreon is part of our community. They all help build this podcast. They're all doing the right thing. Are you? Doesn't seem like it. <laughs> Seems like you're taking, taking, taking for yourself, self, self. This is the month of giving, not yes. taking. It is the month of vested cheer, which should go towards patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel. It's not the season of take, 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 which is what you do. Every time you put those earbuds in <laughs> and play our podcast, you're taking from us. Take, take, take. All those hours and hours, you're just stealing from me and Will. Yeah, you thieves. 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 Festive thieves. At thieves. Christmas, you do this. At the Lord's month, you do this. <laughs> when the great people give back on patreon.com slash marvel versus marvel everyone that subscribes on patreon's part of our community and in exchange we reserve the very best episodes just for them we had in november civil war 2 will i want some reaction from you it for was that huge huge story absolutely mad great uh ethical quandaries as well you, I mean, Did you it, kept up. Yeah, you kept updating me with how are you? How are you feeling whose now? Whose side are you on now? Whose side are you on now? It's like the first. Did you switch sides as well? I, I, I switched sides to the right one. It felt more obvious this time who was definitely on the right side. But still, did wow. you feel that it lived up to the first civil war? 
oh, it felt like a different uh, different thing altogether almost it didn't feel yeah. necessarily like a civil war it felt like a, an entirely different beast yeah but still hitting some of the, some of the same beats if you will big casualties yes. massive casualties in yes. the story um and that's uh yeah civil war 2 was on november deep dive bonus show we do a deep dive every month. It's just available on Patreon. Um, this month, in December, it's a deep dive into one of the greatest and most underrated Marvel stories of all time, The Squadron Supreme. Me and Will take a trip to Earth-712 to meet a world in ruins and a team of superheroes trying to keep everything together. Every hero is a mirror of Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, and the rest of the Justice League. This story was called, at the time, the best Justice League story ever told. It's just a shame DC didn't publish it. Uh, It was 1985. It's the most sophisticated Marvel story of its era. It's the first big grown-up Marvel story they ever did, and a huge influence on stuff like Civil War and Kingdom Come. Before Watchmen, before The Dark Knight Returns, there was Squadron Supreme. We get into it in December on Patreon. And Will, we've already recorded it, and I know you love this episode. <laughs> yes, I did. There was a lot going on, right? Lots of moving parts. Oh. See the world where essentially the Justice League decide that they're going to save everybody and take over to do it. Yeah, it's... It did feel. I, I. It does feel like a Watchmen in a lot of ways. You got the ticking clock. You got the unlikely bunch of heroes. Everything doesn't go the way you expect. You know, big plans turn to rubble. Oh God, there was some real heartbreak in there as well. It was. It was a wild journey. You might need something yeah. happier afterwards yeah. to listen to <laughs> because that big fight at the end is the most brutal superhero fight hmm. that had ever been published by by nineteen eighty five when it came out. Yeah. It set a tone for a level of um, mature violence in, in superhero comics. It is wildly underrated, wildly overlooked. That is our big deep dive for December. Treat yourself. If you don't have it in you to give to this podcast, then let's make it take, take, take again. Give to yourself by spending the money on this podcast on Patreon and treating yourself to December to a litany of deep dive bonus episodes, which would include Squadron Supreme and Civil War II and Infinity Gauntlet and the Kang Dynasty and the Young Avengers. For this month, you could listen to every single, if you've got it in you, I don't think you've got the time, big deep dive bonus episode we've done. You could spend a, a month binging those wonderful episodes. You could not think about anyone else. You could just call it a special present to yourself, and you can do that via patreon.com slash marvel versus marvel. But when you've done that, no. There's a jingling of a bell in the background. <laughs> Whilst you've done it for yourself... You've accidentally helped out the community in the podcast. You can feel good about yourself. Mm. You can do that on patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel, packed with wonderful bonus episodes, like the deep dives, obscure Marvel fun that we have every month, and other goodies as well. On the other side of this break, me and Will are going to take our patented deep dive into Ant-Man and the Wasp. (laughs) 